Blog Talk Radio. Heavenly Father, 
praise your name, Lord God. We praise you. You are awesome, and we cannot comprehend you. We want to know you. We want to know you, Jesus. We want to grow closer to you. We want to be able to see your face as Peter did as he got out of the boat. We want to be able to stay affixed on your eyes as the days grow darker, as the seas grow higher. We praise you, and we know that we don't love you more as much as the scripture indicates that we ought as our first love. We want to believe that, that you are our first love. However, it's difficult for us to be able to even measure that amidst all of the trials, tribulations, challenges of daily life, let alone some of the other confusion that's out there that has a way of distracting us at times. We pray in the name of Jesus for a supernatural anointing to come upon us. We're asking you, Father, to fill our cups with only you, to overflow our cups in the name of Jesus. We're asking for a supernatural change within our spirit. We're asking for an anointing, again, that draws us in closer to you, We're asking for a presence of the Holy Spirit to awaken us. We're asking for a supernatural touch upon our bodies, that they become stronger, that we sleep more soundly, that we awaken more early to spend more time in the secret place of the Most High. We ask you, Father, for these these touches in our lives, these, these, for lack of a better term, again, I just refer to them as anointings, Father, that would would be bestowed upon us, very similar to how uh, Elijah received a double portion from Elijah. And Father, we just praise you and we thank you for those anointings. And we also pray in Jesus' name, if it is at all possible, that you would um, shower us with these uh, anointings and blessings uh, in a greater portion, sort of like Elisha received uh, in his request, a greater portion for those of us who um, are perhaps a little bit more awake and aware and more burdened uh, with the challenges of associated with the Ecclesiastes 118 problem, whereby uh, as our knowledge and wisdom grows, so does our sorrow, so does the impact upon our lives, uh, which can be very devastating and, and make it quite difficult for us to be able to um, to, to find that NEPHO, that any. P-H-O, that's the Greek word, again, for uh, uh, level-headedness, that level-headedness and, and, and joy that, that even the King David in Psalm 51 needed to ask for, that you would restore the joy of his salvation through you. And Father, we we need that joy in our lives. We need to be able to come to a place of trust that, that it's so deep the the amount of changes that are required in our lives to come to the place that you've admonished us, admonished us through your word to come to in order to be where we need to be to benefit by all of the promises that are in your word. We're admonished to, to fear you. We're admonished to love you more than anything in, you know, anything more than anything beyond the comprehension beyond uh you know we could we could repeat the scripture we could read the scripture three ways four ways five ways upside down sideways whatever it would take you know and do an analysis of the greek and and the hebrew uh and 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 no matter what it would still be beyond our comprehension and we ask you, Father, please, to draw us in closer. I remember how I prayed for years on my knees, admitting before you that I didn't love you the way that I wanted to. And now, as uh, and I've also noticed that when I would slip into, you know, 
unacceptable behavior, uh, types of, you know, different types of sin as I would discover in my self-examination or, uh, or as I went through periods of depression uh, or, or disappointment, frustration, um, sometimes even worries and fears that would be injected by fiery darts of the darkness against me. And a various, you know, combined with various orchestrated attacks of evil in witch covens and things against me um, over years of time. And the recovery has been incredibly slow and, and was accelerated only through at the point where it was revealed to me somehow, must, must have been somehow through the Holy Spirit or spiritually, that I needed to shift into a praise mode and thank you, praise you in advance and thank you for for just praise you because I knew that you were already going to answer the prayers, even though I saw no results even or or the results were spotty at best, they were intermittent i 'd have a a really good t- couple of weeks go by, praise your name, and then I would have i i just slip right back into depression or whatever the case was i wasn 't able I just i couldn 't get a lasting effect, and then I shifted over into praise mode and just started to thank you, Jesus, in advance, knowing that you were going to give me the answer to the prayers because I knew that your word would not come up void. I knew that you know writing it on a card and carrying it with me everywhere I went uh, it was just symbolic and helped me to be able to just reach over touch my pocket and know that it was there and know that it was a promise that could not be a lie because you are our father you are our God you are the most high of all the universes there are quadrillions of beings and 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 light years of endless galaxies uh just far far more than we can ever imagine in our wildest dreams uh even the scientists and the cosmo or the you know the the uh the uh, theoretical astrophysicists and those who study the telescopes like the Hubble and such like that and the in the Spitzer Space Telescope when they point it into dark areas of the universe and they let it just do long, you know, extended photo you know go you know extended fo- photographic mode where it would they just open the shutter and just let it sit there thinking that they're pointing it at a dark place in the universe and they let it expose the film for for weeks and then they go back later and they see that it appears that there are trillions more galaxies out there in the areas of the cosmos that the scope was pointed that had no light at all. And when the extended film, when the bulb exposure of a type was 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 viewed after it was opened and uh, allowed to expose over a long period of time, it was filled with galaxies. Father, we don't understand these concepts. It is mind-blowing to even the uh, theoretical astrophysicists to understand such numbers, comprehend how awesome you are, to comprehend that there are glorified portions of the universe where where the, the life forms on the planets know Jesus already. And that they're, they're, they in these in, the, in these glorified portions of of the cosmos are are sin free. And we're in some sort of a containment zone, some sort of a hologram, some sort of a it's some sort of a holographic containment zone where quantum physics and it's complete. This is which is explained so much. 
It explains so much. It explains your 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 challenge in the book of Job. Can you loose the belts of Orion? Can you guide the sons of Arcturus? And the answer, of course, is no. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, you turn it wherever you wish. Proverbs 20, 21, 20, 20 verse 1, I believe it is. Either that or 21, 1, I forget. Father, we praise you for your awesomeness. We praise you for your mercy. We praise you for your kind, long-suffering. We praise you for the multitude of your tender mercies. We praise you for being so loving and so kind that we can come to you and petition you and ask you and supplicate before your awesomeness in your throne and, and just worship you in advance for the answers to prayers that we have not seen answers to thus far, knowing that you're going to answer them and knowing that some of the things that we might have to go through, some of the changes that we're requesting through our prayers could take years to manifest, even when we feel sometimes that there aren't years left. Father, we pray for your mercy upon those of us who have awakened to the place that we are right now, regardless of our margin of error and understanding and regardless of how much time we may have left on this earth. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that through through your loving kindness and the multitude of your tender mercies, knowing that we are from the dust, Psalm 103, verse 11, 12, 13, knowing that we are from dust, that you, in Jesus' name, would would give us that double portion, give us that, that, that special outpouring of grace and anointing upon us in such a way that you will bring us to that place where we truly do fear hellfire. We understand the ramifications of our behaviors. We understand that we've got to continuously examine ourselves and confess, confess speak forward with our vocal cords, not just imagining it, not just imagining it, but actually speak it forth and say what we have done wrong acknowledging it before our Almighty Father, speaking it forth, for there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And that life and death, that power, comes from the presence and the power of the Godhead within us, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the and, and, and the living God, our Lord Jesus Christ, within us. For it is no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. And by speaking that power forth, speaking it forth, And trusting, for you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father, we pray for forgiveness for those preachers and teachers and people out there who believe that if a person falls into sin after salvation, that they were never saved in the first place, which is absolutely the most silly thing I've ever heard in my life. But there are many who actually believe that which means they're absolutely overflowing with presumptuous sin, which is a great offense to thee. And we know this, Father, and we thank you for revealing that to the hearts of babes. For we are undeserving of your mercy as we struggle and, and, and realize that in our walk, in our, in, our, in our walk, as we continuously self-examine, as we look at ourselves as we ought in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 28, 31, and 32, if we... D- d- participate in that cycle, which is mandatory for for continuing in our sanctification process, what we will uncover is layers, layers of understanding that, that, that help us along our journey of sanctification, whereby as, uh, the, as, as each one of those layers are peeled back, we discover that there is another dimension to our change that is required for us to draw in closer to you and has many, many 
hindrances and hills that have to be climbed and challenges in our uh, flesh that have to be overcome. And each layer is representative of perhaps a behavior or a feeling or something that we shouldn't have as we try desperately to progress closer and closer to the very essence of Jesus, who is who is who is who we ought to be now as much as possible. And that sanctification evidently is all is not just evidently, but obviously is something that never is never a point of completion. For even Joshua, the high priest in Zechariah three verses one through seven was completely gushing with sin. He was covered with iniquity, even as Satan, the accuser in the courtrooms of heaven, was actively accusing him because of his iniquity. And he told Satan to be quiet that he was a brand plucked from the fire. And so it was true that Joshua, the high priest, was full of iniquity and needed to have that cleansed from him. And you changed his garments metaphorically or, in, uh, you know, uh, it had, well, it was certainly a metaphorical reference in the scripture, praise your name, but, but perhaps as it was being seen by Zechariah for real, as he witnessed it in his vision, those robes in the dimension of heaven, in that realm, were actually being changed physically because we understand that we have robes and gowns in heaven. We understand that scripture makes this very clear. We have books of remembrances. And you say in Isaiah 43:25 that you will not remember our sin, that we would be able to contend with you and to work with you in prayer for the betterment of the kingdom and the goals of the kingdom. We praise you, Father, as high priest, First Peter 2.9, that we would be able to understand our roles in this existence and realm, even in this strange place that we have been confined to in the flesh. Let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness through the fear of God, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Allow us to understand these concepts. Allow us to understand, Father God, through your anointing, what all of these things mean and help us to be able to progress through praise and thanking you in advance with utter heartfelt gratitude and true godly sorrow when we fail to hit the mark. Help us to understand what it means uh, when you tell us, Father, that that, that uh, in, in your word that we are uh, that that you test our hearts to understand, Father, and praise your name. That by the testing of our hearts, uh, we you know we can be corrected for things that we are even you know we ourselves are unaware of. Because there is sin in our lives and iniquity in our lives that we don't even understand. And and so many people will never completely be able to piece together all of the steps of the, the sanctification that are required in order to get to the place that you want to bring us to. Which, of course, will continue after we've moved on to glory. But, of course, but recognizing that those things that we are able to accomplish while we are here in this prison planet place that you have created for us to contain the darkness that had to be has to be contained until uh we translate into our minor god bodies and become just like Jesus light beings 
really beings of light, various levels of glory. Proverbs 17.3, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Father, thank you for revealing to me and that I might be able to reveal to the audience that the concept of this scripture, Proverbs 17.3, fire tests the purity. And by the way, this is only one place in the Bible that it talks about this. There's several. There's more than one verse that says that God tests the heart. And thank you, Father, for revealing to me that the significance, the magnitude of the meaning of this scripture. For those that are listening, praise your name, Lord Jesus. The magnitude of this scripture is this is the reason why our Heavenly Father waits to the very, very last minute. He's trying to allow us. We, we think he's being slow. We think he, he's not responding to our prayers. We think for some reason we've been passed up in our request, which in some cases can be the case. When we are praying a holy and righteous prayer, when we are praying a prayer that is in the best interest of the kingdom, when we are praying a prayer that is in alignment with the word of God, which is Jesus Christ, our king, when we are praying a prayer that, is in, that glorifies God ultimately, and if it is in your best interest, physician, heal thyself. So, of course, if it is in your best interest, it is to glorify God because as a result of the, of the realization of that prayer, you would be better positioned to be able to serve God. So it does align with his will. However, why is it that it takes so awfully long, in some case years, to, to, to see the results of these prayers? Why is it vitally important that we pray without ceasing continuously and give praise even in the most dark and horrible, awful situations that we find ourselves sometimes? Why is it drug on and on and on and on for months and months and months and sometimes longer? It's simply because our Heavenly Father tests the heart. If our hearts are not in the right place, if we do not have an appropriate amount of faith, if we do not praise continuously because we know that we know that we know that we are going to receive the answer to that prayer and be able to sustain that praise over a lengthy period of time, praying without ceasing and continuing to pray and give praise through the most difficult of circumstances, even though we're not seeing the answer to our prayers. The second that we start to doubt, the second that we start to question, the second that we start to have frustration, the second that we start to rebel, and, and, I, and when I say to, to go into a state of rebellion or disobedience over it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're intentionally rebelling against God, it's not like you're pre-med, you're doing uh, you know premeditated rebellion. It's it's just that you're feeling sorry for yourself. It's just that you're you're like, what's the use? It's just that you're frustrated, and you're 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 like, well, I guess the answer is no. At that point, your heart is wrong with the Father. At that point, you have stopped praising Him. At that point, the accuser of the brethren who accused the brethren both day and night standing in the courts of heaven points down to you and says, Look, he or she does not even believe that, they, you know, have the faith that you will answer their prayers. We don't understand that the time that we are in in this realm, 
is vastly different than the time and eternity. Praise you, Father. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We praise you, Father God, for helping us to understand these things. We praise you that we've got we for the realization that we must not lose heart, as it says in Proverbs. I'm sorry, as it says in Luke uh, 18, in the parable of of the uh, of the uh, persistent widow. We must not lose heart, and we must continue to praise you. We, the second that we let go, the second that we let go is the second, that moment, that we many, many times, if we had any idea how many times at the moment that we stop praying, at the moment that we've just come to the conclusion uh, that, that we're not going to receive, at the moment that we start to doubt, at the moment that we stop praising you for that answer to that prayer, even if it's taking years for the realization of it, that is, is, might very well be moments before the prayer was about to be answered, and the angel is sent back to heaven with the gift that he would have been carrying for you, which would be realized in this realm as the answer to your prayer as he moves through the spiritual realm, holding the actual gift in his hand, which has been witnessed by people who have seen these things in the spiritual realm. If we only understood these concepts and understood that you test us, you test our hearts, and if we fail the test, we have to start it over again. But most of us will give up. Most of us will get depressed. Most of us will have frustrations enter our hearts. Most of us will become like the Israelites were in the desert, which resulted in a 40-year penalty of, of, of – it was a penalty uh, for the way that they behaved for their lack of faith, for their moaning and groaning over the manna because they got sick of eating it after a while. No matter what you did for them, Father, they still found a reason to complain. And we are like that. That is how we are in the flesh. And when we are being tested, when our hearts are being tested, when our hearts are not right, the accuser of the brethren has every right to accuse us. And it's only by your mercy that we are given more grace as we go through that struggle. And sometimes we do have to reset and go back to the beginning, which means that we're going to have to go through hardships, possibly more sicknesses, possibly more challenges, possibly more uh, uh, attacks against us, uh, statements from our families um, that, that hurt us, losses in our lives, sicknesses, weaknesses, different problems that are even brought out in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight and 31 and 32. Father, we praise you for helping us to understand the crucialness. I, I don't even know how to – I don't have words – how unbelievably important it is that we pray without ceasing, that we never lose heart, that we continue to praise you for that which we have not received and mean it, deeply mean it. Because if we praise through, with a forked tongue, if we praise you while deep inside our heart we are doubting, we have already failed the test because the Lord God tests the hearts, Proverbs 17.3. The purity is silver and gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. And that test, in many cases, is extended over time. And our Heavenly Father expects us, thank you, Jesus, to remember and, and recall the many untold numbers of times that you have done miraculous things in our lives and we have either a not 
recall, you know, not even praised you for it because we just assumed it was a natural progression of things and we never gave you credit for it. We don't praise you every time we drink water. We don't praise you every time we have a hot shower. We don't thank you. If we, if we, if we, if we had only tomorrow that which we praised you for today, many of us would be laying naked in the streets. And we admit it. And we're asking you, Father, through our confession, to please have mercy upon us through your loving kindness and the multitude of your tender mercies, to pour out a double, triple, quadruple portion of an anointing upon us, have pity on us, because of the understandings that you have blessed us with, that give us, that put us in a place that can be agonizing in its nature, while at the same time, when we recognize it, is an incredible blessing. Agonizing during the journey and an unbelievable blessing during the realization of arriving to a new level in that, in that layered progression of sanctification as we struggle desperately to become more and more like our Lord Jesus. We pray for forgiveness for all of the our brothers and sisters that are out there, the two billion of them that confess that they that, that, that would check the box of Christian if asked what faith they belong to. All at different degrees of their walk, all at different rungs of the ladder in their progression many of which would, will never progress past wherever they are today because they don't even understand that where they are today is inadequate because they've been wrongfully taught. They've been wrongfully preached to. And it doesn't mean that the preaching was bad preaching. It just means that it was omitting major, major parts of the walk. Inadequate. Similac. And we praise you, Father God, for giving us at least a taste of the filet mignon, the meat. We praise you, Father, for having mercy upon us because of the burden, that, the Ecclesiastes 118 burden that comes along with that. And we pray that you will please remember that we are dust. Forgive us. Forgive us, for the, especially for those times when we took out what we perceived as being our own failure, our inability to shake our Psalm 51, King David guilt, Psalm 51, verse 14, King David guilt. Oh, if I had a dollar for every single time I was acting just exactly like Adam and Eve when they got busted in the garden, feeling so bad that I didn't even feel like I was worthy to stand before you in prayer. And then when I finally, over time, was able to get to the to a place where the godly sorrow kicked in, I couldn't believe that I slipped in any manner and was so – and then it goes a, a double portion of frustration, a second wave that you have to go through as you struggle in your walk, as you struggle in your attempt to try to become more like Jesus. If only more of our fellow brothers and sisters understood the magnitude and the size of the journey and the blessing, the blessing that we will be blessed with, understanding that while we are trapped in this prison planet, that 
each step of sanctification, each segment of growth, each rung on the ladder that we successfully walk, every bit, everything, every test that we pass, every refinement that we eventually go through, every phase of our progression in our walk to be more like Jesus here on this earth, remembering that Jesus said to Peter, not once, not twice, but three times, which means if we only understood that when it happens three times, it is humongous. If it's stated once, eh, it's maybe a one on a scale of, of you know, or maybe a three on a scale of one to ten. If it's stated twice, eh, maybe a little bit more. But when it said three Times It is a hundred on a scale of one to ten. And we don't oftentimes quite understand this, th- these things. For some reason, and we know why, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three days in the grave, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If we only understood the magnitude and the importance of the scriptures, but the things that were said by God that were, that, that were meant for our ears and our heart to embrace, when Jesus stood before Peter and said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep three times. And we all sit around telling us, giving you lip service about how much we love you, but all we can do is spend all of our time wishing that we weren't here. Forgetting about how crucial it is that we feed your sheep. Completely missing the point. Proclaiming you as our first love and failing to do the basics selfish in our desire to leave, proclaiming and fooling ourselves that it's because we want to be in your presence, but we don't love you enough to do what you ask us to do. Thank you for these revelations. Thank you for helping us to understand how crucial these understandings are. Thank you for bringing us just one or two more steps up the rung of that ladder and helping us to see that we are in a huge, huge Amazon jungle and bringing us above the canopy so that we can view the glory of the ocean on the other side of Chile and Peru. But please, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will have mercy upon us and anoint us ever so much more with a double, triple, quadruple portion of anointing in such a fashion through these teachings that we become supernaturally stronger in our walk. Always being patient, knowing that it is highly likely that you're going to test our hearts. It is highly likely that you're going to wait till the very last minute to complete that test, that it could be years before we get the answer if we're here that long. And knowing also that when we pass these tests, it is like being in an accelerated training program so that wherever, so when we pass the tests that are on the earth, when we grow in our sanctification on the earth, it is equivalent to hundreds of times more rewards in heaven because we're on an accelerated journey in this prison containment zone that we're stuck in. And to understand how vital that is, because growth, once you, once you get into heaven, the time that it takes, and you might say, well, the, in the eternal realm, there is no time, and that is not true. That is absolutely untrue. 
there is time in the eternal realm. Father, we just praise you. We thank you. We pray, please, for a greater anointing and more grace, more forgiveness. Help us through this journey. Help us to understand the importance of this journey. Because hindsight is twenty twenty, and once we arrive, it's too late. For Jesus said in, in, in Revelation 21, 2020, 2022, or uh, I'm sorry, 22, I believe it's 1, I, it might be 11, I got to go back and look it up, I'm not going to take the time, now praise you Jesus, behold I come quickly and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their work, according to their work, and you don't get a second chance. Once you arrive in heaven, the clock stops. You get the rewards that you get, and that's where you land. That's where you land. And the hierarchy of the kingdom of the living God is so huge. How many millions, perhaps billions, are involved in this hierarchy, this kingdom of princes and priests, and how many are not even part of the ruling class at all, dwelling only in their, in their country so-called mansions or country homes, and disobedient Christians being even further out in much smaller dwellings, those who were unwilling to give, those who didn't understand how vitally important it was to seed into the kingdom, that it wasn't just 10%, it was much, 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 much more. But it had to come from the heart out of love, or else it didn't count. We thank you, Father, for the revelations that you have provided us, the mysteries of the Scripture that you continue to unleash upon us. I don't mean the unleash to sound negative. I, I mean to, to bestow upon us in a glorious manner. But also, thank you, Father, for understanding our frailty and the difficulty that we have carrying this burden of great wisdom and great sadness when we realize how many of those who we care about and love and ought to care about and love just like Jesus are brothers and sisters on this earth, even those who haven't awakened as of yet, even those who are still unbelievers but will become believers, we should love them more than life itself. Our desires for them not to burn in hell forever should be so great that they overwhelm us in agony as they would Jesus, who hung from that cross and expects us to step into his place today. Forgive those of us who stare out the window hoping for the rapture and have forgotten about those that you love, Jesus. Forgive us for our disobedience and for failing that test, one of so many that we will have to endure, certainly in the days to come. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for every moment that you have given us here on this earth, as, as agonizing as it may be, as challenging as it may be, as, as awful as some of the things, forgetting to give you praise, worshiping you, gratitude for all of the wonderful things that you have done for us uh, over time. And 
and and and and just missing the missing the boat missing missing the mark is the right word and we just praise you for your mercy endures forever we praise you for an an abundant grace that is immeasurable in volume and helping us along the journey in such a way that we can fulfill the works that you have written about us in our books before I believe before there was time or before certainly before we were incarnated into flesh bodies as humans in the earth. What an amazing understanding that you have brought us to, Father. What a difficult journey it is and so hard for people who do not understand these things and have not experienced the journey and don't get it, haven't seen the scriptures, haven't prayed about it for years, haven't had the supernatural confirmations over years of time, how difficult it is for them to understand these, the most amazing mysteries of our existence that it literally explain every question that an unbeliever might ask in an attempt to prove that God, that you, our Heavenly Father, are somehow unfair, which is the furthest thing from the truth, because even our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ do not understand the necessary baseline prerequisite understandings to be able to explain why things are the way they are on this earth. We praise you for that understanding. We thank you for that, Father, but it, with it comes periods, uh, roller coaster ride experience of ups and downs. But especially, Father, we thank you. I thank you, and I pray that others thank you for the revelation of understanding that you're testing our hearts, you're refining us, we must pass the test no matter how long it takes. Sometimes that longevity of the test is the test itself. Imagine that. The actual length of time that we have to pray without ceasing and praise you through hardship, that actual length of time is one of the attributes of the actual test to see if we, how strong our perseverance is, how strong our faith is. We praise you, Father God, for the testimony in Smith Wigglesworth's uh, devotional of the woman who had the large goiter, this giant goiter, uh, this um, humongous a grapefruit-sized ball of flesh uh, on her neck who had been prayed for by, I believe, Smith Wigglesworth and was going to routinely, regularly to his revivals as he would go through the towns. And she would always stand up with that giant goiter on her neck in front of hundreds and in some cases I expect thousands of people Pray, stand up and praise God in front of thousands of people for her healing while this grapefruit-sized goiter hung on her flesh. And she praised God in front of thousands of people and said, I want to give testimony to my healing of this goiter. I praise God that it no longer exists. While the people in the audience looked at her like she was nuts. And Smith Wigglesworth stood on the stage 
praising God along with her. For years she did this. And then one particular revival session with Smith Wigglesworth, she stood up one last time. It was the last time because it was the time that God decided to answer her prayer. And right there in front of thousands of people, that goiter fell right off of her neck. After years of proclaiming victory while that thing hung there in front of thousands of people as they pointed to her and and said awful things. If we only had such faith. Thank you for teaching us these things, particularly now before we go into the much more darker times ahead. Help us to not keep staring out the window so much. Help us to understand it. Help us to understand how awfully simple it really is if we just stop believing the the lies of imminence, the lies of pre-trib rapture doctrine, the depth of the darkness, the satanicness of all of the pre-trib rapture doctrine. Things like concepts of imminence where Jesus can come back and rapture the, quote, church at any time without any warning. That is absolutely not true. We praise you, Lord, for showing us how simple your scripture actually is and how utterly clear it is. If we would stop believing the lies of the pre-trib rapture doctrine, even though we don't, we proclaim not to be pre-tribbers, we, and, and we believe that we're, we're in alignment with our understanding to some degree, we still believe in imminence or di- different remnants of that doctrine remain in our heart and throw us off our understanding. We don't realize how obvious it is that you have given us the information that we need to understand what must happen on the earth before the rapture occurs. But yet we get caught up in our own flesh and our own concerns about leaving because we're miserable about our lives and we don't want to be here anymore. And we completely forget that we're supposed to feed your sheep. And if you love me, our first love, that would be where our focus is. If. And how we prove to you time and time again through our testing and our failures that we don't love you as much as we think we do. Because if we did, our focus would be on doing what you ask. And Father, we thank you for this prayer vigil. We thank you for this electronic ecclesia. We thank you for the revelations and the mysteries that you have taught us. We praise you for helping us to understand why you haven't destroyed Satan and how you're using him as an exec- in, in an executive severance uh, 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 capacity to help you bring in the, the, uh, the fullness of the Gentiles and those who are worthy or potentially worthy to, to rule and reign. While many millions and millions of Christians that are at different levels of obedience and understanding failed to progress adequately to become part of the metacoi, the fellow sufferers of Jesus, those who are qualified to be considered as part of those who will rule and reign with the Lord, the ruling class, the bride, the wise virgins. (sighs) 
We thank you, Father, for helping us along this journey. It is a very difficult journey, and it doesn't get easier. It actually gets harder. It's almost like a marathon that has levels where you pass the first level, and then you have to go. You do the five-mile run, and then you got to do the 20-mile run. And once you get the 20-mile run done, you got to do a 26-mile run, but this one's over mountaintops. You get the 26-mile run done over the mountaintops, and now you got to go on some kind of thing where you swim five miles across choppy waters and five-foot seas, and then you go to the next level and the next level, but it never gets easier. Never. And only through perseverance, praying without ceasing, never giving up and praising you in advance from the bottom of our heart because the Lord God tests the righteous. And knowing that that test and part of that test might be seeing how long you continue to praise and listening and watching the condition of our heart as we go through periods of time where we may have failed to truly feel praiseful and grateful as the time drags on with what appears to be absolutely no answer. We never made it, and the goiter stays. And we just figure that we weren't worthy. And then we get depressed and, compl- and repeat the cycle, rinse and repeat, all over again, and we become a victim of Ecclesiastes 1.9. Never progressing or progressing hundreds of times more slowly than we had to if we had understood the rules, how to express that faith, the testing, and the testing of our heart and our perseverance, our dedication, and our belief that we are going to receive no matter what, even if it's in in eternity. Because to you, Father, with the exception of the rewards, that eternity is already in progress. May all the glory belong to you, Father, because you're amazing. And we thank you, Jesus, for your patience. And please forgive us for not loving you as much as we think we do. And please anoint us with that love and fill our cups with your love. Fill our cups, Father, with your love because it is not a love that comes from us. Overflow our cups so that we become they who you wish us to be, that walk within your will, that want to save the souls of other people because we truly love them and we don't want to see them go to hell that have lose all interest in leaving the earth because we're too focused on doing what that which is serving you, Father, doing that which you have asked us to do, feeding your sheep, even if that's just going to a gas station and filling up a tank for somebody. Help us to understand that not only can we become prayer warriors, spiritual warfare prayer warriors, uh, praying for the lost, which is an incredible anointed ministry that is just wrought with un, uh, 
an unlimited number of rewards, but also to to take advantage of the dark times that we're in, as to, even as they grow darker, and look for opportunities to tell people that Jesus, that these gifts are from Jesus. Because if you're willing to fill up somebody's gas tank at today's prices as a gift, that's coming from the love of Jesus. That isn't coming from your flesh. So you can say with great assurance to that individual that this gift is from Jesus. Because it darn sure isn't from your flesh. Praise his name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the days that we're in right now. Thank you for these revelations. Thank you for helping us on our journeys. Thank you for helping us to not repeat the same mistakes over and over again and have to go through a rinse and repeat cycle of very challenging and agonizing sadness as we continue this journey. We just ask you, please, in Jesus' name, Father, for that for an anointing that is so far beyond our understanding and comprehension that we will progress and continue to progress nonstop in our walk through sanctification that we would please you in this journey and maybe, just maybe, be some of those who are chosen and not just called. We pray in Jesus' name, Father, please, Lord, Joshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, our King, Father, please, we pray that whatever it is we have to do, that you will help us on that journey, that we will fulfill the works that were written in our books, and that we will be chosen because of our love, our self-sacrificing, our willingness to grab that cross and follow you to our death, if that's what's required. We praise your holy name and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight is June the 17th of 2022, the 18th of uh, Savan 5782. The next holiday is Rosh Kodesh Tammuz, uh, and that is uh, June 29th of 2022. Hallelujah. Tonight, it is now 7.53 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Praise you, Jesus, for those of us who are in one of the two countries that are going to be judged more horrifically than uh, many of the others. Thank you, Jesus, for placing us here. We do not understand, nor does it matter, because death has no grip. The grave has no grip on us. And we praise you for that, Father. Allow us to complete our tasks, our journey, our assignment, whatever that is, that was assigned to us during the election process, the judgments of Psalm 82, in accordance with whatever infractions that were committed during the angel wars, Luciferian rebellion. We praise you for that. We thank you for that understanding. We praise you for your fairness. We ask you for extra help on this journey. We thank you for choosing us and helping us along that journey. May we not miss. We're going to dork it up. But may we not miss, through perseverance, continuous praise and, and, and learning. In Jesus' name helping us, Father. Thank you for helping us. And tonight we light the Sabbath candles. I like to light three, one for the Father. I can get the lighter, the light. There you go. One for the Father. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. One for the Son, our Lord Jesus, Joshua, Jesus Christ, King, awesome, our friend, our advocate. Please forgive us for not loving you as much as we should. 
One for the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We praise you, Holy Spirit. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. The Hebrew Kadesh. Aruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav Veratzavanu Vishabak Kodsho Be'av in Hilanu Zikaron Lemase Vereshit Ki Huyom Techila Lemikra Ekodesh Zechelitziat Mitzrayim Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabhat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh Praise God. The Kaddish, what is it? Kaddish, which is also spelled, you know, it's spelled K-I-D-D-U-S-H, also spelled Q-I-D-D-U-S-H means, in Hebrew, sanctification. Jewish benediction and prayer recited over a cup of wine immediately before the meal on the eve of the Sabbath or of a festival. The ceremonial acknowledges, their ceremony acknowledges the sanctity of the day that has just begun, which means, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us, his commandments, and hoped of, uh, for us and with love and intent invested us with his sacred Sabbath as a memorial to the deed of creation. It is the first amongst the holy festivals commemorating the exodus of Egypt. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's awesome. I don't think that is definitely not a word-for-word word translation, but that's probably more of an essence of it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. As a matter of fact, let me see here. Oh, this might be interesting. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Waiting for the website to come up. There it comes. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, here we go. Um. Nope, that isn't what I wanted. It says Friday Night Kaddish text, but it doesn't give the direct word-for-word translation. So that's not what I was looking for. Friday Night Transliteration. Friday Night Kaddish Transliteration. Let's see if this is it. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Um, Oh, 
Nope, 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 nope. That's not it. It's all in Hebrew. Oh, well, thought I'd give it a try. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I actually have a uh, Sephar, uh, which is a Hebrew prayer book behind me. See, a lot of Christians don't really understand the Jewishness of Jesus. Um, And, of course, why not? Why he wouldn't be? Because he was the king of the Jews. Uh, Praise God. Um, And ultimately, we are, as Gentiles, grafted onto the olive tree, which makes us part of the body of Jesus Christ, which is awesome because that was, in essence, why the Apostle Paul had a different calling than the rest of the apostles. A lot of people try to use that as some way to impeach him, uh, suggesting that he, but that's because of their own ignorance. They don't understand that he did have a special calling, and his calling was to go after specifically the Gentiles, the people in Rome, the people in Asia Minor, and all that. Uh, And what a blessing, because otherwise we would have been left out. But it was God's, we know that it was God's divine um, plan that Jew and Gentile become one in Christ. Ephesians 2, verse uh, 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 9, 10, 11, where the middle wall of separation is broken down, making the two into one. Um, where in Galatians it's expanded upon and it says there's neither Jew or Gentile or man or woman. We are all one in Christ. That's pretty deep there. Wow. Um, while the concept uh, across the universes in the various civilizations of beings uh, is man and woman creatures, the same concept of procreation and stuff exists in many species, um, uh, trillions of life forms, a smorgasbord of life forms across God's creation, which is known as the kingdom of God, which differentiates itself from the kingdom of heaven, which is where heaven is, planet heaven, it's a planet. Uh, I believe it's a multidimensional planet. I, I, I believe in the glorified realms of the universe, which are outside of the Orion Nebula. That's why it says in the book of Job, can you loose the belt of Orion? Of course we can. Why would there be a belt in the Orion Nebula to keep us contained in this fallen area? That's why. We're trapped here, and so is Lucifer and the fallen angelic beings. But it doesn't mean that godly watchers, holy watchers, Daniel 2, verse 43, can transverse that portal or whatever. I don't know if it's a wormhole or portal or whatever it is, but that 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 place in the Orion Nebula that is the doorway into the glorified eternal realm of God in the glorified parts of the universes or universe that we're in right now. But according to some testimonies, it's very clear. As a matter of fact, it's explicitly stated that there are multiple universes. So the concepts of multiverses is not a false concept. Multiple realms, multiple dimensions, multiple universes. It is an amazing, the kingdom of God is so vast that our, heart, our hearts really just can't wrap it. It's, we, we're not able to really truly understand it all. Who is able to truly comprehend eternity? Who is able to comprehend that God existed forever and ever? Who is able to comprehend the existence of anything without a point of origin? And all these things would intimidate the average Christian who wouldn't understand these things, thinking that they were heresies because their spiritual and intellectual acuity is greatly limited which doesn't make them in any way inferior. It just makes them unable to comprehend such things. 
That's why Jesus would say over and over again, if you can receive it. Or let the reader beware. The most exciting parts of the Holy Bible have that written in it. John the Baptist is Elijah. If you can receive it, Jesus said. Why would he say that John the Baptist is Elijah? Because John the Baptist was in the womb, was Elijah had incarnated into the little bitty baby that was John the Baptist. Everybody says, oh, it's, he's the only person that ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the womb. Bunk! That is not what the Bible says. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. It was because Elijah incarnated into him in the womb. That's why Jesus said, if you can receive it, because most Christians don't have the ability to understand these things. Our existence in the flesh body is like getting in and out of a car. It's a, we are real. Who we really are is a light being. We are a being of light and love. We are Jesus. We have the potential to be like him. And that being of light and love, that is what our spirit is inside the car, which is the flesh body that is that and we how do we get in that car? Because we incarnate into it. It's not reincarnation. It's simply that we incarnate, we weren't spirit babies floating around in little bubbles by our Heavenly Father before we were born. Predestination and and, uh, and uh, pre-existence and all of the scriptures that support that Jesus knew us before the foundations of the earth are, are literal. They mean exactly what they say that they say. I mean, it is just so literal and so straight up that there's just no way you can decipher it. You can chop it into pieces and make up nonsense and say, oh, well, I came out of God the Father's loins as some kind of a spirit baby, and then I was born which is just a cop-out because you don't understand what the Scripture says. You don't understand what John 10.34 says when it says, Have I not said ye are gods? And so many will do exactly when they hear these words, even if they listen to this and they've never heard this podcast before, they, will, they, they, they won't get it. And they'll do exactly what the people did in the multitudes when Jesus turned to the, the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that were following him. He turned uh, with his apostles by his side and he looked over the hillside at all of the multitudes of the people and he said, If you cannot re- uh, eat of my body and drink of my blood, uh, you know, you you know you shouldn't follow me or something like that. I don't remember the exact words, but it was eat of eat, eat of my flesh and drink of drink of my blood, and it freaked everybody out. And they turned around and said, "Man, this guy's a nutbag!" And they all walked away, which is exact people will do when they listen to this program because they don't understand, and that's okay to a certain point. But it robs you of the blessing. It robs you of the ability to be able to witness to people to explain why there are people that are born in places like Nigeria or the Sudan doomed to death before they even have the opportunity to meet Jesus or to understand the blessing of salvation. 
How can that be fair? How can it be fair to be born in China versus born in the United States? But don't re- don't forget that that there's a there's many 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 scriptures that make it very abundantly clear that the more blessed that you are and the uh, the more you are expected to perform. This is not about work-based salvation. This is about work, works-based rewards. Behold, I come quickly, and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their work. We are supposed to be prepared uh, to uh, give uh, a, a, a proper answer to anyone who we meet uh, uh, as to our faith and why we believe. And, our, and what we have is inept Christi- Christians across the world who simply cop out and go, well, that's what the Bible says, and I believe it. As they watch the scientifically minded individual turn away with his family on their way to hell because they were inappropriately prepared to address the holy ground that God had placed them on, the opportunity to save more souls which can only be achieved with the advanced mysteries understanding of the Holy Scripture and the embracing of it and understanding of how important it is so that you are able to articulate it and do it in such a manner that doesn't freak them out and say, well, what if this and what if that? Have you ever considered this? What do you think about that? Could it be this? Could it be that? But we don't practice such things. We don't practice our Christianity. We don't admit to people. We don't say, of course the earth is billions of years old. Of course the universe is billions of years old. Of course the universe is full of life forms. Why would God create a big, empty universe? That's ridiculous. To be able to go to a person and to help them understand why things that seem unfair are fair. Why did Jesus say that to all those people and essentially send them walking away in disgust? He was testing to see if they had the spiritual acuity to sense, to feel in their spirit his God hood his that there is something about him to feel it and the vast majority of them walked away this earth existence is a gigantic filter to filter billions it takes 34 years for a person a human to count to 1 billion 34 years to count to one billion. And imagine the billions, the billions of people that are actually, let me be more clear, the billions of minor gods that were involved in the Luciferian rebellion in the Morning Star office when Lucifer was placed in charge of the Morning Star office. That's why Christian pastors and teachers get all fumbly-wumbly and make up excuses. Well, God works in mysterious ways, which is a cop-out because they don't understand. Jesus was placed in charge of the, Jesus was ultimately placed in charge of the Morning Star office, which is a portion of the universe. The universe... <laughs> 
to God, it's broken up into north, south, east, and west. So when you read the scripture and you see that it appears that he's talking about beings and hosts of heaven and things that are out there that aren't indigenous to the planet, which would, you know, then when you understand these concepts and you're able to put them all together, you're like, wait a minute, this has a whole other different meaning than what I thought. And when you understand that when Jesus said, have I not said ye are gods in John 10, 34, he was telling us who we are. And he was pointing to Psalm 82, where it says, have, where God says, I stand in the congregation of the mighty. I judge amongst the gods. Why would our heavenly father have to judge gods, little g gods? What would be the point? Because they were naughty. And then further down in Psalm 82, he says, have I not said ye are gods? Little g, same as Jesus in John 10, 34. Have I not said in your law uh, in, uh, that ye are gods? So when Jesus said, have I not said that ye are gods, Jesus was saying, I and the Father are one, and I was part of the judgment of Psalm 82. That's what he was saying. And then he said, and children of the Most High. What does that mean? Sons of God. We walk into a church and they, they, they say, you know, do you believe in Jesus and accept him into your heart? Well, you're saved and I baptize you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you're a son of God. They give them very little hope at all of any sanctification. And maybe by a miracle, the person maintains their faith. How blessed are we to come to advance to the understanding of our preexistence, to understand the election? Why are we called the elect? What does that have to do with anything? The elect, what does the word elect actually mean, to be elected? We just hear the words, the elect of God, and we go, well, that sounds like a privilege class. To me, the elect. What does it mean to be elected? Well, if you look at the political system of the, of, of the world, the word elect, uh, it, it basically means to be placed into a particular position. It doesn't indicate a flat, even surface. To be elected, some people are elected president, some people are elected to be king, some people are elected to be priests, some people are elected to be, uh, you know, helpers, some people are elected to be door openers, some, you know, you can be elected to be anyone, well, but well, wait a minute, who did the elected, who, who elected who? Why are, you know, it's one thing to be called the elect, but who did the election? Who elected who? Who went to the voting booths in heaven and elected you to be elect? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you who. What happened was we were part of the original Luciferian rebellion. We have preexisted. We did know Jesus before the foundations of the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And what a privilege it is to be part of the elect and, 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 and part of predestination. Because not everybody is, is, is so privileged. Now, why would that be, though? Because that would indicate that God is not fair, which is not true. He is fair. Because the rules were made before. Before the heavens and the earth were created, the rules were made uh, at the very beginning of, before there was even time. 
God, the, Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Lucifer, when he was still a glorified, created being, architected the universes. That's why the Masons flip it around and they call Lucifer the great architect of the universe. They just turn everything upside down. But he was there before he fell. The rules were established. The, the sentencing guidelines were established then. The rules that we, in our fallen state, need to contend with God. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even die, our Father says, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. For my own sake. So God forgives us of our sins because he needs us to be forgiven of our sins because it is us that have the power of Jesus Christ in us that is to be wielded against the, the works of the devil, and that is who we are commissioned to be. And God needs us. These rules were made before there was an earth, before there was a universe. And God follows his own rules because he is holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. The Most High, the God of Gods, Yavael, and He is awesome. And is, it, 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 we, sh we should all be snuffed out. We should all be dead. But we were given another chance. What does who elected who in the election process, and why are we elect? Because in our before there was time when we were minor gods in Psalm 82, before we transgressed against the heavenly office of God. Heaven, we'll just call it planet heaven. Those have been taken to it, saw that it was a planet. I guarantee it is. And, because why wouldn't God just do that? He's got to have a headquarters somewhere in all the universes that he created. What, why would he create it in some, you know, vapor-locked, you know, strange dimensions somewhere off in where, wherever? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. God makes sense, but you've got to understand it. You've got to listen to it. You've got to receive it, like Jesus said. You've got to receive it. And if you don't receive it, then guess what? You just stay sitting on the pew, and you keep pumping your $40 every week into that election pl collection plate, hoping that maybe there's a new parking lot eventually. Praise his name. This is awesome stuff. It doesn't get any more awesome than this. Adam and Eve were in another realm. They were in a glorified realm when they were originally without sin. When they were found with sin, then God took the Garden of Eden and he injected it onto a planet, planet Earth, that was teeming with life, including alien beings from other parts of the universe. The people in the land of Canaan didn't come from planet Earth. Where did, you know, it, it, where did Cain go to start civilizations? Who did he have sex with to have babies to create them? If Cain and Abel were the only two, that were, were only two humans that were on the earth through the birth of, of Eve, then where did he go to have babies? Who did he have sex with? Where did they come from? No wonder people don't believe, because they don't have the whole story. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. It's just one part of the story, a very humongous billions and billions of years old story.
and it explains all of the mysteries. So what about the election process? You're being judged. What, who's electing who to do what? Are all the elect the same? No, they're not. Are some not part of the elect? No, they're not. Does it mean that they are all going to hell because they're not part of the elect? Not necessarily. We seem to think that the elect are automatically the wise virgins. Therefore, they are automatically going to be saved because they're part of the elect. No. The elect is a group. has to do with predestination. Now, why would that seems unfair, doesn't it? Because it should be a flat playing field, shouldn't it, if God is fair? But wait a minute. Because of our pre-existence in the, in the Morningstar office, when Lucifer was giving charge over the Morningstar office, who knows how many parsecs of the universe that discovered, and it says, as it says in the scripture that Lucifer, I don't know, I don't know the exact quote, but basically says that he would go from stones of fire to stones of fire, and some people interpret that in all kinds of wacky ways, but it's very simple, really. That just means that he was going to different star systems. Stones of fire, I think it would say, in the scripture when it's talking about, you know, the king of Tyre and, and references to Lucifer. Stones of fire. Those are just stars. We make things so complicated. We don't have to, but we do. And he was in charge of the Morningstar office. Now, Jesus took control of the Morningstar office at a later date because Lucifer fell. But there were wars in the heavens, like it says in Revelation 12. And these were real wars. They had spaceships and laser beams and all kinds of stuff. And that's exactly why we all think that, that science fiction is science fiction. No, it's not. It's prophetic. Why would an angel need to be in a spaceship? Because when it's in the glorified realm, in the spirit body, it doesn't need protection from the elements. When it comes into this hologram, and it has to deal with the cold, bitter, explosive nature of the absence of, of, of uh, uh, atmosphere, okay, then it needs protection. Why are there men angels in the Bible, and then there are spiritual angels in the Bible? Why are we able to unwittingly entertain an angel in Hebrews uh, and have breakfast with an angel? and eat scrambled eggs with them and not know that it's an angel if they're not incarnated into a human body. Why did the angels that went to Lot's house that were called men angels, okay, look so good to the homosexuals that they wanted to, you know, do stuff to them? Reminds us of today, doesn't it? It's all in our face. Thank you, Obama, and the rest of the evil antichrist stuff. <clears throat> Because they incarnate into humans, and similarly, they need protection with technologies, symbiotic and highly advanced technologies, but they are way more advanced than the fallen angels. But nevertheless, they need those to protect them from the elements of space because they are entering into this hologram. <coughs> Excuse me. Hallelujah. The election process was part of the judgment. So when you have, and I've explained this before, praise Jesus, but since I'm on this roll and I didn't see myself going here, but I, I am and I'm going to continue, praise Jesus. The election process, who elected who? Well, the election process, okay, so you want, what you want to do is you want to go and you want to first off identify who was part of the election process, shall we? So let's go ahead and take a look at who might have been part of the election process. Okay, all right, we can go to a couple of places in the scriptures, but let's go ahead and start with Hebrews twelve twenty two. 
where it says, But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So this is in heaven. This is in planet heaven, up where, uh, you know, high and lifted up on Mount Zion. It's a gigantic planet, okay? And it says, To the city of the living God. So the pearly gates go around Mount Zion. The pearly gates don't go around heaven. They go around Mount Zion, the city of the living God, where the heavenly Jerusalem is located, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling of things that speak better things than that of Abel. Right here we have a list What about this general assembly? Were they the ones who elected what it was we had to do and where we were going to land on earth when we incarnated here? Because it says in Psalm 82, Have I not said that ye are gods and children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men? Somebody please explain to me how an eternal being that is a minor god in the universe is being judged by our Heavenly Father. Please explain to me how that god has to die like a man, because it's not possible. You cannot have an eternal being, a God, die in a human body. It is not possible. Unless, unless, as part of their judgment, they had to incarnate Oh, just like the the uh you know us unwittingly entertaining an angel in Hebrews, they had to incarnate into a human body. So just as Adam in Genesis 2:7 had the living soul of God, the capital S Hebrew living soul of God breathed into his nostrils at conception, that is when Our spirit body, our light being, minor God body, incarnates into the human body. And then you have all these people that will say things like, well, well, the scripture says that, you know, we are appointed, uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, we are appointed as as men to uh, to live once and then to face, um, uh, you know, judgment. Correct. Except you're missing the point. The scripture that says that is talking about our existence in the human flesh body. It's not inclusive of the period of millions of years when we were simply minor gods. Have I not said ye are gods, Jesus said in John 10, 34? See, I've got to keep calling you back to that verse. Otherwise, you're going to start, the devil's going to start injecting things into your head, and you're going to go, this guy's some kind of a raving lunatic. He has no idea. Jesus said, have I not said ye are gods? And it says right there in Psalm 82, Jesus was talking about in your law. Well, where is the law? The law is part of the Pentateuch. It's, or, or it's more than that. But anyway, again, it, you know, it's pointing to Psalm 82. It is so straightforward, it is unbelievable, but you have to be able to receive it. Now, the election process. Why is God fair? How come it's fair for some people to be born in China, some people to be born in Nigeria, some people to be born in the United States? Some, well, for one thing, just because you were born in a privileged area of the world doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go to heaven. And once saved, always saved is lie from the devil. 
And I could go on and on about that. I would wish for Jesus said I would want for you to either be hot or hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Gee, that doesn't say good and faithful servant to me. So what was the election process? I would estimate that this General Assembly, probably headed up by the 4 and 20 elders, were the ones who actually did the sentencing. Oh, the sentencing. So what does that mean? What is to be elect? To elect. To elect what? To elect a kumquat to become your best friend because you're going to paint a smiley face on it and pretend like you're part of the movie Castaway? It's, it, the, I believe that, that it's got to be some group in the courts of heaven that are part of this general assembly that, um, uh, that uh, you know, again, possibly, who, who knows, maybe led up by the four and twenty elders, or even one of them, really, that were assigned the duty to present the options of judgment to those of us who were being judged in Psalm 82. So what happens on the earth? Okay, again, I've used this analogy before, but it's a very simple analogy. You have a, we'll we'll just say that you have a Chrysler Pacifica, and a crime is going to be created and, you know, committed as the six people drive up to the liquor store or whatever in this Chrysler Pacifica. You've got the people in the driver's seats, so there's two there. You've got two in the seats behind, and you've got two in the third row in the very back. When the Chrysler Pacifica pulls up to the uh, liquor uh, store, uh, the two people in the front, the driver's seat and the passenger seat, get out with Uzis, and they go into the liquor store, and they spray it with bullets. They murder a bunch of people. They steal the money, and they jump back into the Chrysler Pacifica. Now, the people in the seats behind the, the driver and the, and the passenger, those people were able to look out the window, and they were able to see what was happening inside the liquor store, but they stayed inside the car. And the people in the back had a suspicion that something bad was going on. They heard the gunshots, but they really couldn't get out of the vehicle because they weren't able to activate the doors. There was no way for them to get out of the third seat. They were kind of stuck there. But because they were in that vehicle and there was a murder committed by the two people that were in the driver's seat, that was, they, were part, they were accessories to the murder. Now then, do all six people get the same sentence? How big were the angel wars, and how many millions of years did they last? And to God, it is a sin, it is a penalty, and it is an offense against the kingdom for somebody to not take sides. So even for them that did not take sides and said, oh, I don't want to get involved in this, It's very similar to the last episode of of Seinfeld, where they stood across the street and said, hey, look at that person, uh, you know, uh, uh, beating up that that other person and doing all that. And then they ended up in jail because they did nothing except watch. Get it? That's also punishable. As a minor god, you're part of the Morningstar office, and you are, st- you are guilty because you did not do anything. 
The scripture says that Lucifer was wonderful and awesome and great until God found sin in him. What was going on? Why didn't God already know that he had sin? Because somebody had to go narc him out. They had to go report it. it had to, they had to go to the heavenly office of God. They had to go to Mount Zion, and they had to say, or they had to report to his superior and say, Lucifer's being up, up, trying to pretend that he's trying to exalt himself as the most high. He's doing things that are your job, Father. He's got sin in him. God had to be informed. That's what the scripture says. Till God found sin in him. Now, those six people that were part of that crime at that liquor store, they're getting sentencing now. The Psalm 82 is happening, okay? And now you've got the two people that were in the front seat, and they were real naughty. They were real naughty. Now, are, are they still all brothers and sisters? Are they still all part of the heavenly office of God? Yes, but they were a little bit more naughty or a lot bit more naughty than the people that were in the seats right behind them. And the people in the back seat were the least naughty of all. So when the sentencing goes down, they're going to get different sentences. When you get, say you commit a crime, maybe you even did it unwittingly. By the way, ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking the law. So even on earth, you will still pay the price, even if you didn't know any better. Oh, I didn't know if I did that. I, I didn't know. Now, sometimes you'll get cut a complete break, and they will say, well, you, you know, we're going to go ahead and give you a break, and there's no sentencing guidelines, and that's okay. We're going to let you off the hook this time, but it happens again. And so you can even go to the judge, and you can say, judge, I respectfully request, Your Honor, that you withhold adjudication. I've done this. Not for myself, but for my daughter. She got herself in trouble at one point when she was a teenager. But I went. I told her, I said, walk up to the judge and say, Your Honor, I respectfully request that you would withhold adjudication. And the judge dropped the charges. Now, what, he, what they do is they mark the docket, and they say, if you dork up again – we're going to pull this out, you know, we're going to seal the docket, but, uh, you know, and we're going to withhold adjudication. We're not going to make a judgment now, and we're going to watch you. We're going to watch. You're not going to be on parole or anything, but we're going to keep our eyes on you. We're going to see if you do anything like this again. If you do it again, boy, are you going to be in way bigger trouble. And the judge withheld adjudication against my daughter. It was some kind of a traffic event or something. I forget. But anyway, um, it, so... This process exists in heaven. This is part. This was all created by God. The whole earth and all of the processes on this earth, with the exception of those that Satan has hijacked, because he has no original ideas and contorted and twisted. Okay, but 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 the crux, the the foundational principles of these processes were created by God, and we are existing in that realm even now. Teach us these things. So that we're better prepared when we move on to the kingdom to rule and reign with Jesus. So we're not utterly clueless and have to start out in kindergarten all over again. So it can be an advanced class and progress faster. Don't even get me going on the whole thousand-year ruling and reigning thing and the bride, New Jerusalem coming down adorned as a bride because that's the translated bride inside. That's why it says adorned as a bride because the bride is translated into light beings at that point, and she is residing inside this gigantic.
gigantic cube-shaped UFO that's going to descend upon the Earth. And, and you're like, oh, how dare you call that a UFO? Well, what do you think the people on the Earth that are looking at it are going to see it as? Oh, there's nobody on Earth? Better read your Bible again. Praise God. This is exciting stuff. Super exciting. I hope I don't have to go out and deal with any of this stuff outside of the New Jerusalem. I want to stay inside the New Jerusalem. Thank you very much. That's just me. But I'll do whatever Jesus tells me to do. Praise God. So think about it. Now there's an election process. What is that? Well, what happens to you when you get sentenced? Well, the judge is going to say, you know what? You were in the backseat of the Pacifica. You couldn't get out. You knew something bad was happening, but you were an accessory to the crime. You were hanging out with them. So I'm going to give you a minor sentence. You can either go and work every weekend for the next six months at Metropolitan Ministries and help feed the homeless, or you can uh, dress in orange and put on a you know, and go pick up, uh, you know, litter on the side of the highway uh, at on I-4 every weekend for the next six months. Or, so, so there are options that the judge will give you to pay your penance for the crime that you commit, committed. And you get to choose which one. That is the election. That is why we are the elect of God. Not everybody. Do you think that there was an election process for the two people that pulled the Uzis out in the front of the car and went in and shot up the store? No. They got no election. They had sentencing guidelines from the courts of heaven, and God knew exactly how they were going to be sentenced. And But he still cut them a break because they were duped by Lucifer, or whatever the case is, and they didn't have a choice. So when they were commanded to die like men as minor gods in Psalm 82 when they had to incarnate they had to incarnate into bodies in, in unsavory locations on the earth does that mean they are any more or less our brothers and sisters in Christ ultimately does it mean that they're a part of the elect maybe not are we still commanded to preach the gospel to every living creature and try to save the souls of every single one that we can yes we are It is not that God is unfair. It is that he is fair that it ended up being this way. The very fact that we were even that we were sent to hell. Think about it. If the scripture says that hell was created for uh, the de- or the demon. How does it say hell was created for the devil and his angels or something like that? Doesn't say it was created for man. Consider it. How does that, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and, and find that because it's it's so material and relevant to this. Thank you, Jesus. Hold on a second. Wow, I really dislike this particular browser. All right. Anyway, so um, hell was created. Yeah, yeah. The scripture says hell was created for the devil and his angels. 
Mark, come we got to go there if we mess up. I'm not, I'm not the devil, and I'm not one of the devil's angels. So where do I fit into this? Where does anybody, where, where does any human being on the earth, how do we, any of us feel, where do we come into this? It doesn't say it's, it, would, it doesn't say Matthew 25, 41, it says, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I mean, that is, that's astonishing. That is amazing. At, uh, he, uh, Matthew twenty five forty one. let's pull that one up here. Hold on a second. This is worth looking into. Twenty five forty one. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so... We're going to reverse, going to move back a little bit. Then the righteous will answer to him saying, Lord, when did we see you? Oh, oh, wow. This is deep. The son of man will judge the nations. Let's look at this. So starting with Matthew 25, verse 31. Wow. This is part of Matthew 25, which also talks about the wise and foolish virgins and all that. This is amazing. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, holy Angels. Did you notice that it used that as an adjective? Get it? It's differentiating these angels from the other ones. Angel simply means messenger class of being. It can be multiple species, but the angels that are assigned to heaven, the heavenly office of God, are typically, believe it or not, blonde-haired, roughly about seven foot tall, men without wings. I'm not saying that some of them can't possibly have wings. I'm not. I'm not even going there, because there's certainly you know you've got the cherubim and all kinds of other things. There's there's a, books written on angels and different angelic beings that have thousands upon thousands of angels in them if you ever read them. But anyway, it says, and all the holy angels with him, that he will sit on the throne of his glory. Imagine that. So. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Now, is this going to happen uh, in the New Jerusalem or from the New Jerusalem? I don't know. Maybe. It says, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hmm. The kingdom was prepared for us. Blessed of the father. From the foundation of the world that's billions of years old? How does that work? Somebody help me out with this. The earth is billions of years old. That implies that our inheritance, our election, was happened before the foundations of the actual earth, which is billions of years old. Are you making the connection here? I hope so, praise Jesus, because this doesn't require a physics degree. Verse 35, it says, for I was hungry and you gave me, and, and, uh, for I was hungry and you gave me food. This is talking about the good, the good ones. I was hungry and he gave me food because you loved them and you cared. Now Jesus is talking, you know, about like this is my, it's him, but it's not, you know, he's using him as an analogy. 
He's using himself as an analogy, but he's talking about the people of the earth. Our brothers and sisters, the other people that were in the Pacifica. I was hungry, I was in the Pacifica, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, I was in the Pacifica, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, I was in the Pacifica, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me, and I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Wait a minute. Verse 37 says, then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you or thirsty or give you drink? When did we see uh, you, a stranger, and take you in? See, obviously, this is a metaphor he's using here as himself to speak about all of the peoples of the world that we're supposed to be witnessing to in our great commission. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked or clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, the people in the Pacifica, you did it to me. So when you're snarky and mean and don't help people and don't do good things, even when they're unbelievers, uh, you know, you're guilty of offending Jesus. And you'll be, that'll be remembered. That's why you've got to continuously inspect your behavior, inspect your heart. Did I act the right way? Did I do the right thing? Have the conversation with the Lord. Ask him for his wisdom. If anyone seeks God, let them ask. And, and it, uh, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given them, for, for, uh, James 1, 5. And believe it and praise him for it, because eventually you'll get the wisdom. might take a couple of years, but you'll get it. Then. It goes in verse 41, Jesus goes on and he says, Then he, Jesus, will also say to those on his left hand, You depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. goes on to say, and then they, then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and didn't minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to, you know, to one of the least of these, you did it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. But the key here is that hell was created for the devil and his angels, and these are punishments happening to, well, we perceive it as punishments happening to humans, don't we? That's what we think, because we live in the flesh. That's what we see, so that's how we think. We crush God down into a teeny-weeny little bitty thimble. We don't understand the mysteries. We don't even attempt to understand the mysteries of the Bible. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And so what we do is we, we smush it all down into a little realm of our own personal understanding, when instead... What we should have done is said, wait a minute, let me ask the tough question. Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, gee whiz, if, if it's prepared for the devil and his angels and the judgments are actually coming down on man, 
See, it says, it says, the scripture says, um, uh, it, it is appointed to man to live once and then to face judgment. But it doesn't say, it says the man, the man body, the man and the woman body is appointed to live once. But when the man and the woman body dies, when that body dies, the spirit, the minor God spirit leaves the body. It gets out of the car and then it faces judgment. And in that state, it is a minor God. It is a spirit being. And in that state, it qualifies to be prepared for the devil and his angels because you are ultimately a fallen minor God at that point, And you have dorked it up and you're going into everlasting fire. And that's why this scripture makes sense. God is fair. God doesn't destroy Satan because Satan is on an executive severance package. God is using the devil to help to filter out all those who will never, ever, ever qualify. The ones who don't have the same ones that Jesus yelled at over the hillside and said, if you don't drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you cannot follow after me. And the multitudes turned and walked away. That was Jesus uh, filtering them out and saying they don't have the ingredients they need to make it and rule and reign with me, so what's the point? Let them go. The whole earth is a gigantic filter for billions of minor gods that dorked up. It wasn't about some woman eating an apple or whatever in the Garden of Eden. That's part of it, but that is more of a metaphor associated with a much bigger, bigger, bigger picture. And even the apostles and those who penned the Bible through the presence of the Holy Spirit when they spoke about Adam and Eve and the first Adam and the second Adam and all the other metaphors that go along with it, they, did, they didn't address that. Everything that's in the Bible is true, but everything that is true is not in the Bible. Even J. Vernon McGee, a pastor's pastor from the from uh, the uh, the 1950s and 60s, a pastor's pastor where all these other pastors would study under J. Vernon McGee in his book through the Bible. He said, and let me see if I can find this. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. I hope I can find it. I hope I can find it. Hallelujah. I'm going to share this with you. It's really cool. Um, let's see here. I got to find it because I've got a lot of stuff on the website. It takes like it takes a lifetime to go through all the articles on the on the website. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Rapture warning flyers. Baptism of the Holy Spirit about us. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Um All right, and I dorked that up. It's not about us. It is, well, here, I got another way I can find it. Um, E, uh, site, colon, tribulation, dash, now, dot, org. I'm hacking Google to find it. Ah, research style. Here we go. All right. Okay, listen to this. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, in one of the most amazing Bible teachers that ever lived, let's take a look at what Pastor McGee had to say about our understanding of the Bible, shall we? 
Dr. J. Vernon McGee, in his book, Through the Bible, wrote, and I quote, I believe that Genesis is telling us this earth became without form and void. So it became it. It went through wars. It went through what? Wars in the heavens. Hey. That was before God cardened it off into a prison area uh, to keep us contained while we're going through our prison sentence. Isn't it funny how um, people who are in prison will say things like that they've been, you know, they were redeemed, you know, they paid the price, they did, you know, and then Jesus is our redeemer. Ah, it's, it's, there's so much to this. This is really, this is like a hundred shows. But anyway, so look, look what it says. J. Vernon McGee says, I believe that Genesis is telling us the earth became without form and void. In other words, it was fine, but something bad happened. That it was just as uninhabitable as the moon when the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We can only suggest that there was some pre-Adamic creature that was on this earth. Now, he's not talking about one creature, you know, but he's just kind of downplaying it a little bit. It seems that all of this is connected with the fall of Lucifer, who, when he fell, was renamed as Saint nor the Devil. We're getting new names when we get to heaven, too, which is cool. I don't know what mine will be, probably Dorcasaurus or something. But anyway, it says, I believe that the entire universe, this is J. Vernon McGee speaking. He says, he's 1960s, I believe the entire universe came under this great catastrophe. What was the catastrophe, he says? We can only suggest that there was some pre-Adamic creature that was on this earth. And it seems that all of this is connected to the fall of Lucifer, son of the morning star. It says son of the morning, but it's really, the scripture says morning star, which is talking about the morning star office. In the, in, I already covered that. Who became Satan, the devil, as we know in the day. I think all of this is involved here in Genesis 1, verse 2. But this is the key. He says, but God has not given us the details. In, uh, the fact of the matter is that God has given us very, very few details in the first chapter of Genesis. Oh, well, if that ain't the understatement of all of creation. There are quadrillions of... I mean, the Earth is billions of years old. <laughs> okay, if you connect this all together, if you put a little bit of thought into what you're reading when you're reading the Bible, you got to say to yourself, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh!" But we skip over the most important stuff. The most important stuff are the mysteries. This is why Paul bawled. He cried. He he would go back. He would walk on foot to these different churches where people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, sanctified, speaking in tongues, and he would go back to them several years later, and he'd walk up and he'd go, well, look, you're, you're fighting with each other. You're having relationships with, you're doing bad things. I, here I came back, you know, you all sh should be teachers now, still drinking milk. And then he would be in tears. The mysteries that we're talking about right now are were promised by God, our Father, to be released to us at some point in time, which is now. Praise God. And you're like, well, where's that in the Bible? It's, well, it's right here. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known or come to light. Nothing. Nothing is secret that will not be revealed. 
Therefore, take heed how you hear. Be careful not to block it out. Be careful not to think that it's wrong. Be careful not to close your mind up. Take heed how you hear. For whoever, this is Jesus speaking, for whoever has the ability to hear and understand and to receive it, whoever has that ability to hear and receive, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have the ability to receive, the ability to understand, and the ability to accept and get excited about it, even what he seems to have will be taken away from him. When would it be taken away? It'll be taken away during the strong delusion. In Second Thessalonians 2, when the alien invasions and stuff start happening, when God, when the great falling away occurs, it's not even the great falling away, it's just called the falling away. Why? What would cause Christians to doubt their faith faster than anything else on the earth? People that have been sitting in the pews for their entire lives, pumping collection plates, what would cause them to, to to doubt Jesus faster than anything. An alien invasion. It's so simple. God sends a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie. The lie is that they are our creators, and they're going to be abundantly ready to communicate that to us. And they will be perceived as our saviors because you can believe that they're going to arrive just in the nick of time to prevent mankind's absolute destruction. Now, they're not going to stop the day of the Lord, and they're going to – and this, uh, it's complicated, and it involves multiple species. And some of them are used by judgment by God in Isaiah 13. Joel 2, uh, those, those are uh, alien beings in a different part of the universe that God sends for his judgment for the day of the Lord. But those are different than the fallen angels. People get wrapped up into this notion of a fake alien invasion, and I'm like, man, that is the least of your worries. The stuff that is important is what's real and what God's going to be actually doing. So it says right here, even what he seems to have will be taken away from him, because if you aren't able to receive what I am sharing with you now, you're not able to receive and understand the alien uh, stuff. If you're not able to get all that stuff and it happens in front of your very eyes, you're going to have doubts about your faith in Jesus. And that's a bad thing because the Lord God tests the heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Seven eight to nine so i still have till 10 praise god thank you jesus and there's so much more there's so much more thank you jesus it's very exciting can you imagine all the questions that you had you know it's like to be able to answer them all like Check this out. What I just shared with you, here are some of the questions that cannot be answered by churchianity. Preachers, teachers, Bible, whoever. You pick, Take your pick. Take your pick. These are the questions that cannot be answered. Any unbeliever that would sit across the table from you in a restaurant and ask any one of these questions would not be able to answer. You couldn't answer them. And where would that person end up going? To hell. And who would be responsible? You. Because of your ignorance. Ignorance means without understanding. That's all it means. doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you don't get it. 
You, because you were rooted in churchianity, you sat in the pews, you did not investigate the mysteries of the Bible, you were unable to receive it, those people will end up in hell. Which, by the way, is a type of sin, because we are commanded to be ready to witness to everybody on account of our faith. Oh, I believe in the Bible because I just believe. Oh, well, that, those six people are doomed. Way to go. Bravo. Here's the here's the thing. So here's just the, this is by the way just a short list that I just typed up one day on this particular. Um, <clears throat> it's a link on the uh, tribulation-now.com, tribulation-now.org, tribulation-now.com, uh, all those tribulation-now.net. They all go to the same place. And in the list of links, I have a couple of articles. One is called um, "Angel Wars and the Original Sin." Hold on a second. Yep, Angel Wars and the Original Sin Part 1 and Angel Wars and the Original Sin Part 2. I've actually gone on radio shows and talked about this. Daniel Ott AM. <clears throat> anyway, um, and a lot of the links that went to videos and things like that are no longer working because you know how YouTube is, right? So now I've learned my lesson because of all the – and now I just upload the, vi- the actual video itself to the website so that they can't take it down. Wish I knew that back in 2011 when I wrote these articles. But anyway, listen to this list of questions that could not be answered. And I even put here, what if we were able to answer difficult questions like this? What would be possible in our witnessing to people and unbelievers and scientists and physicists that look at the Bible and say, this is a bunch of baloney? And they have reason to believe that. Because they don't understand, and the people that are preaching and teaching and witnessing to them are ill-equipped. What if we were able to answer difficult questions like, if God really loves us, then why do so many people have to suffer? Hmm? If God really loves us, then why doesn't he destroy the evil and the devil? Hmm? What about that one? Why are some people born into easy lives and others born into difficult lives? Whoops, just answered that one. Thank you for the election process, Father. I choose, I elect to go work at Metropolitan Ministries and feed the hungry on the weekends for the next six months for my penitence. Seeing as how I was in the backseat of the Pacifica. Did all of humanity have to redeem itself because a woman ate a piece of fruit 6,000 years ago? Because that's what everybody believes the Bible actually says, but it doesn't actually say that. But that's okay. You've got to be able to answer it. Why are we born into sin? How is it possible that we were sinners from birth? Because of Adam and Eve, right? That's a tough one to sell to a group of unbelievers. They'll be like, thank you very much. I'm going to my Muslim meeting now. Why is mankind so important to God when there are billions of stars in the universe? Hey, that's a good one. It even says in the scripture, who is man that God art mindful of him? Wow. Now we know, don't we? Jesus was coming 
to earth. Jesus came to earth to suffer, to die, because blood is it's complex, but blood is required for the atonement of sins. That's why the Levitical priesthood had to kill, you know, lambs and, and oxen and stuff like that, and then do the things that they did where they cooked, you know, they, you know, grilled, grilled them. And uh, those were, those were sacrifices. And those sacrifices of blood were done for the atonement of the sins of Israel. Blood sacrifice. Now, Jesus begotten of God, the Son of God, one with God, came to the earth on a rescue mission. He came to get us back. Came to die on that cross because he knew us. He knew us when it was all happening. He knew us by name. He knew who we were. He knew we got caught up in the situation in the Pacifica. And he's coming to get his people back, his minor gods. We are part of the kingdom of God. We've been part of the kingdom of God all along. We had to die like men, children of the Most High. And Jesus had to atone for our sins. King David and all the patriarchs, Joseph and all of them, all the patriarchs of the Old Testament had to sit in a place called Limbo, which was at the upper level of hell, which wasn't such a bad place. But they had to hang out there until Jesus died on the cross because no one comes unto the Father but by Jesus. So even King David himself and, <coughs> and Joseph and all of them, they had to stay in limbo. Now, the Catholics twist it, and they call it purgatory. And then they get you to give them more money so that they get special favor and your relatives can come out. It's absolutely sinful twist of the devil and satanic in every manner of the word. But it was originally called limbo. He had to stay there. That's why Jesus had to go down after the cross, after he died on the cross, and, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, you know, the purple curtain in the, in the temple was rent, and the great earthquake occurred, and people came out of their graves and were walking around and all that. This, you know, the dead would rise. Well, that, the same thing is going to happen later, but you know, it's, it's complicated. But anyway, the point is Jesus had to go down to get all the patriarchs. No one was allowed to go in to heaven until Jesus died on that cross. That is the key. He became the blood sacrifice that was required to atone for the sins that occurred millions of years ago. That's how we knew him before the foundations of the earth, which is exactly what the scripture says. It's not that complicated, but people just, they freak out in their eyes and their, their, their eyebrows catch on fire. And they run around slapping their heads and going, oh my gosh, my head is on fire. My head is on fire. I can't believe I heard all of this stuff. This must be wrong. No, it's not. It's glorious. Why is mankind so important to God that there are billions of stars in the universe? Now we know why. Because it isn't mankind that God's going after. It's not mankind that Jesus is going after. Jesus is going after the ones that he knew before the foundations of the earth. Why is it that people say all the time, I feel like I had a past life? Why do I feel like I existed in the past? And then the devil gets a hold of them, tricks them into believing in reincarnation, and then they practice Buddhism and end up in hell. 
No. The reason that is what happens, and it's very, very sad, but the reality is that there's millions of people out there that believe that they've lived in the past, that they've had some past. I, I, I know a person by the name of uh, Rick, R- Richard Caven, Ricky Caven, uh, who was g- given a mighty vision of, of the Lord. I knew him very well. I met him here in Florida, uh, and I had dinner with him, and uh, he was given a vision of God. He, he was All he can remember in the vision was, it was he was basically basically flying through outer space, and Jesus swooped up behind him, grabbed him, took his arm, put it over his shoulders, and said, "Um, uh, you got to go down to the earth. And he pulled him, and he took him down to the earth, because it was his time to be incarnated into a human man body. Is there such thing as reincarnation, or is it simply incarnation in accordance with God's will? If not, how can the Bible say that John the Baptist was Elijah? There's so many mysteries that are all answered by this one thing. This one very cool, super cool, awesomely cool Amazing understanding. I used to meet, supernaturally, the Lord hooked me up with so many people because I had doubts. The devil attacked me. This is the kind of stuff, and you might say, like, wait a minute, pre-existence, that's what the Mormons believe. Where, Where would you hide? If you were Satan, where would you hide one of the most important mysteries of the Bible? Where would you hide it? You would hide it in a place where the rest of Christianity would go, uh, you know, Menye, menye, that's a, that's a, you know, get, get away from me. That's a Mormon belief. Pre-exist, no, it's not a Mormon belief. If you understand anything about the, the, the uh, ancient church fathers and the, and, and the history of Christianity over the last 2,000 years, there were all sorts of people, including Oregon, who was ostracized and kicked out of the Catholic Church because he dared to say that we pre-existed. How could God love Jacob and hate Esau? That's pretty darn unfair. Yeah, I mean, he was tricked out. He was tricked. But God still hated Esau. It's because we pre-existed. There was more to the story. Whatever it was that Esau did before he was incarnated into this earth, it was something that God really did not like. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I think these are the most exciting scriptures in the entire Bible. Why wouldn't anybody think that? Even the scripture that says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, let the reader beware. Yeah. Well, millions of Christians, millions of evangelicals say that's because there's going to be a third Solomon's temple. It's going to be built 
and the location of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and some of them, there's, they'll make up any excuse. They'll say it's in a different location. They'll do It's going to happen. They'll create the temple, uh, you know, the institute. They'll create all, you know, do all these things because they're preparing. Won't they be surprised? Because the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, the holy place is the temple of God, which is the temple body. Jesus talked over and over again about the body being the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We were bought and paid for with, as a, with a price. This is why you can't kill yourself. This is why you can't decimate your body and do bad things to your body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the human body, that's what it means. Let the reader beware. Has nothing to do with the Solomon's Temple. And everybody's going to be sitting around going, well, you know, uh, I believe in pre-trib rapture because millions of other Christians believe in pre-trib rapture. And I'm, I'm once saved, always saved. And I'm going to go to heaven and everything. And I don't have to do nothing but sit here and pump the collection plate. Um, and, and it's really good. And I'm going to get all my Jesus hugs and, and praise God and thank you, Jesus. And, everything, and I'm going to run up and down the aisles with, a, with, with, with flags. And we're just going to sing songs and we're going to wait for Jesus to come. Aren't they going to be surprised? How many millions do you think it is that don't even realize that we're in the seals, this, uh, Revelation chapter 6 seals now? That the seals are unrolling right now? How many people out there will not understand? They will say things like, well, you know... They'll, they'll say, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say Satan this and Satan that, but they don't realize that God's in control of Satan. That the reason why these things are being allowed to happen is because God has sanctioned them. It says in, in, in Isaiah 26, verse 9, it says, when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. I will rise and give thanks to you at midnight because of your righteous judgments, Father. Why? Why would we praise God because there are horrible things happening on the earth? Because people are get, more people are giving their lives to Jesus and seeking Jesus today uh, during the hard times, during the dark times than ever before. And they're doing it in true holiness and righteousness and fear of God, unlike the evangelical American church. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Are the most exciting times in that sense. Now, they're hard for us. And the more, you know, as it says in Ecclesiastes 1.18, say it time and time and time again, hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 1.18, we live it, we are it. I would say we are the Ecclesiastes 1.18 generation. Because <laughs> the word generation is greatly misunderstood. We, it says, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So let's go ahead and get our T-shirts. But why would we be sorrowful? Because we realize not only did the unbelievers get it, and not only is the vast majority of Christianity unable to save their souls because they don't even understand their responsibilities to the kingdom, Praise God for incredible mercy. 
John 3.16. Praise Jesus for saying in uh, Revelation chapter 3 for over the church of Laodicea, I would want for you to be either hot or cold. Because all the cold and the hot are going to be just fine. Even the cold. Would the cold be just fine? Because Jesus will cut them a break because they didn't know any better. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. But the people that are lukewarm get vomited out because they should have known better. They should have read their Bible. They should have wanted to be, they wanted to make, they sit there and they listen to the preacher jumping around on the stage, making a big smiley, waving his hands and a big fuss and talking and everybody's hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And they have no idea that the very fact that they go home and don't read their own Bible, progress past where that so-called church is, is an insult to the kingdom. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, you are going to hunger and thirst to learn everything that you can learn about him. Proverbs 25.2, it's the glory of men or God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search out the matter. And then all over the Bible it says we are priests and kings. Wow. But not everybody. Not everybody is the elect of God. Not everybody got the election option. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And and boy, to toss that away, can you imagine to be given all that by our Father. You know, we just zero in on Jesus dying on the cross, coming to rescue those who he already knew, his elite. He came to get us, to bring us back home. Imagine the insult to our Father and the kingdom to know these things and to not do everything you can to help, to be truly grateful, to be mind-blown and, and, and full of grief, godly sorrow when we dork up. And we dork up every day. We really do. Praise God. It's amazing. It's just an amazing and amazing and amazing thing. It's it it if this isn't a motivating now granted, if you can't receive it, then you're you are. And that's cool, you know. Just I just hope that you're hot. I would want for you to be either hot or cold, but definitely not lukewarm. Better be better to be dumb as a cotton ball and love Jesus and smart as a physicist and not love him as much as we ought. Dear, do you love me? Oh, yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep times three. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
praise his name. And on that, let's have communion. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Disciples were seated about you at the eve of a man's bread. You said, I'd eagerly yearn for a supper, and that you'd suffer so his children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be told. The lady not understand. Reach of his plan in his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn so we gather from memory the glory of the lamb the one who was slain for the seed of abraham as we long for your coming we imagine the feast the king and his bride when our waiting has ceased You were rose and went back up to heaven to speak to heavenly hosts. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done, you had power to call. And I can only imagine the thunder sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains. Remain to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather the memories of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord of our all. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we Believe in a land, all of creation, restored by his hand, eternity, all is revealed, by the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride, when our waiting has ceased.
chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on their mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And even if someone has a complaint against another, as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in hearts to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 9, 26, 39. 1 Timothy three sixteen. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, and received up into glory. 
1 Timothy 3.16. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Have mercy upon us, Father. Have mercy upon us. According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, please blot out, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Father, confess of our sins. We acknowledge our transgressions. And all we know our sin is always before us. Against you and you only, our Lord, our God, have we sinned and done this evil in our, your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, we were brought forth in equity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, deep in our heart. You want us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us hear joy and gladness, Father, that all of the suffering that we go through, that we may rejoice through it all. Hide your face from our sins and blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us, Lord God, a clean heart, we pray. Renew in us a spirit that can be absolutely unstoppable. Do not allow us so, Father, we beseech you to help us not to grieve the Holy Spirit in our weakness. And also we pray, please strengthen us, renew us. Renew us, Father, that we would remember the joy of your salvation. Uphold us with your generous spirit and then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Father, we pray that the Father may be glorified in the Son through us, that you will deliver us from the guilt of our past sins, Father of our salvation. And then we shall sing your praises forever and ever. Forever and ever. Amen. the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he broke it, he gave thanks, and then he broke it and said, Take, 
eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Lodoti, Fidoti Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
you were hurt for my offense, you were sick for my deceit, you were poor for my prosperity, you were strong when I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer, I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God Almighty to always be with me, and I know I will never be. holy oil. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we consecrate ourselves into your living awesome, our living God's hands. We consecrate ourselves, Lord Jesus, into your complete ownership. We pray in Jesus' name that you will purify our hearts. We confess of our sins, all of our sins, 
and even those that we do not even know that we have committed over the last days, weeks. Please forgive us. Anything that is out of alignment with will, reveal it to our hearts that we may confess of it before thee, Father, that we are walking as best as possible in your perfect will. Purify us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we declare that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live-led human spirit, member of the coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior that attempts to come against us, at the very moment that it attempts to come against us, we decree in Jesus' name that the whole fire of God shall shoot down from the glory pillar in the throne room and burn them in the screaming agony, scattering the darkness in all directions and making a public spectacle of them thereof in accordance with Colossians 2.15, which we bind before your courts of heaven in Jesus' name. We declare your holy fire, a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, and a thorny hedge of protection to swirl around about our dwelling places. We decree in Jesus' name for warrior angels to stand guard in front of our dwelling places and the holy fire of God to wrap itself around every single prayer, scattering the darkness in the spiritual realm, melting the firmament of the rock, and uniting our prayers with the throne room of God. Father, we plead with the courts of heaven and pray in Jesus and for the assignment of a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission to ferret out all portals raised against us, any, any, any attempts to come against us with indirect threat vectors through our jobs, through our loved ones, through people we don't even know. We pray, Father God, that they will shut down those portals, that they will close down all those attempts to come against us that we are unaware of. We praise you, Father God, and we pray that the holy fire will continuously swirl around about us on all sides in Jesus' name. And we extend this prayer to our loved ones. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will forgive them, for they know not what they do. For if they did, they wouldn't do it. Father, we confess of their sins before we like, the, like your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, and like Daniel did in 925 on behalf of all of Israel. We confess of the sins of our loved ones, Father. We confess of the sins of, of, of our loved ones. We, we break all generational and bloodline curses on their behalf in Jesus' name. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. Father, forgive them in Jesus' name we pray. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, any evil spirit, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior that has a, a hook on our loved ones, we rebuke it, we bind it, we cast it into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit for only the Lamb of God can the seals. We declare the fire of God and thorny hedge of protection around about our loved ones on all sides. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean swept house. We plead the holy blood of the Lord Jesus, the crystal river, the living water into their hearts to fertilize the soil within them, that they will receive the seeds of these prayers and the prayers will bear fruit. The fruit will remain in Jesus' name. John 15:16. And Father, we pray in accordance with Job 33:14 and 15, that your angels of light and love will come upon them in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls and to save them from the pit. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray this. Your spirit into their presence. Lord Jesus, your spirit, let them see the man in the white robe. Let them become believers. Let them become absolute sellouts and desire your presence, even if it's beyond the time that we spend here on this earth. 
We thank you for your anointing blessing, anointed blessing upon our loved ones. We thank you for the holy fire. We thank you for your divine protection. We pray that holy fire will vaporize any earthly or spiritual weapons or fiery darts that are launched against us. Praise you for the renewing of our mind. We praise you for the things of which we have prayed for that we had a lack of faith, an interruption in our our failure to continue to pray pray uh, without ceasing. First Thessalonians chapter five verses sixteen and seventeen, where we are to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of our Father God. All circumstances, good and bad. We praise you, Father God, for the good. We praise you, Father God, for the bad. No matter what it is we're going through, no matter how horrible it seems to us, no matter how much we dislike or periods of self-pity that we go through, no matter how much we dislike our existence here on this earth. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus and we give you praise for it because we know that you are not a man that you should lie. And we know that if we are raised up in your glory... If we are raised up in your glory because we praised you for through the darkness, through the sit thick man, through the through the storm, we believe with all of our heart that you will answer our prayers in the name of Jesus. And because of that, we will be raised up in glory, even in the flesh, and we will be able to touch other people's lives, change their lives, being anointed by the presence of the Holy Spirit and speaking forth only the words of which the Holy Spirit would have us speak. We thank you for the revelation of the mysteries of the Bible in such a manner that we are able to touch people's lives, even the scientifically minded that do not believe the Bible because they see the contradictions in it, because they do not understand the whole story. Father, we pray for the forgiveness of the sins of our fellow Christians who are unable to receive these things and are unable to save the souls that need to be saved in such a day as we live in today, that that where where folks are out there talking about the earth only existing for 6,000 years and losing literally dozens and dozens, if not thousands of people that they could have otherwise saved if they had opened their hearts and their minds to the mysteries of your holy scripture and word. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessings upon each of us that we are able to be edified by these things, even though we know that there may be a margin of error in our understanding, and there certainly probably is to some degree or another, that that we are able to take this information and to use it to the glory of the kingdom. Thank you for helping us to understand through your wisdom and our prayer and the humbleness of our heart, wanting to receive more and more of you, Father God, because we are awed by you. We are awed by you, Jesus. You're not just a Jesus that we read about in the the book. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. You're our friend. You're our King. You're everything. It's hard to believe that you came back to get us. It's hard to believe that you came back to get us. Thank you, Father that it was your will that he did. Thank you, Father, for giving us all a second chance. Help us, Father, we pray through your anointing to overcome, to persevere, to realize how big this is, and to praise you every day for every blessing that you have given us, not just those that are part of our mundane and earthly existence in the flesh now, but the unbelievable, merciful blessings that you have given us before the foundations of the earth. 
We pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for the parting of the spiritual realm like the Red Sea on behalf of all of the lands of the earth right now. We ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, to send down multitudes and innumerable company of angels of war, of light, and of love to descend upon the earth unhindered, to come upon the people, the lost, that do not know you in dreams and visions of the night, such as the promise that is in Job 33, 14, and 15. Father, we pray for an anointing to come upon them, the holy fire of God to encapsulate them, that nothing unclean will re-enter them. We bind and cast out any unclean spirits. We command them into the pit. We command them to come out. Principalities and power, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places. We declare the fire of God to shoot down from the heavens and to burn you into screaming and horrific agony in the name of Jesus. And we declare warrior angels and archangels to descend upon thee in the name of Jesus and to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time. We command unclean spirits and strong and strong men to come out, to come forth. We have loosed your legal rights to these people, and we command you out of them now, and we bind and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you in screaming agony, and we, decle- we plead the blood of Jesus to seal that pit that nothing unclean, oh no, that they cannot come back in Jesus' name. We bind them. We cast them into that pit, and we declare the blood of Jesus. We plead it to seal that pit. Father, we thank you, and we pray that you will send angels, hundreds of trillions, and an innumerable company of angels across the world to touch the lands of Europe, to touch the lands of Africa, South America, Central America, the Caribbean, North America, Oceania, Asia, and the Middle East, and particularly your people in Israel, Father, your wife. For as it says... In Hosea 2, 19 and 20, that you will betroth thee, that you will marry, eventually, your people in Israel. We pray for them, Father. We ask you to send Jesus into their dreams and visions and to wake up as many as can be woken before World War III starts. Not a week goes by that it doesn't seem like it's going to be tomorrow. And we give you all the glory. Your will be done. Let us all, with great grace and peace, carry our cross, saving as many souls as we can on our way to our deliverance from this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. See you all next week, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free.
Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice as we lift your name on high. Renew our mind, renew our soul, remove the scars from our past and deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? When will your trumpets sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are light. Like those five white virgins we will be. Your bride awaits the Longing for that blessed sound that will rise, the churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free